Hello everyone, it's Gavin here from Films on Trial, travelling from the future back into the past like Marty McFly to mess everything up. But I'm not worried about me fading away from a photograph. I'm just here to tell you the Films on Trial gets good at around episode 4. That's not to say that Films on Trial isn't good from episodes 1 to 4, but we really hit our stride in about episode 4. We start introducing hilarious things like little songs and bits of quizzes and trivia etc but just want to say thank you very much to everybody who has listened and please continue to do so because honestly guys we do get better and better as the weeks go on so thank you very very much and goodbye Hello, I'm Gavin. I'm Dave. I'm Alex. I'm Joel. And this is Movies on Trial. Basically, we're four lads from Liverpool who watch the films and then criticise them. You could say we're Frankie Reviews Hollywood. That's right, that's right. I went there. Took me a while, but yeah. (laughs) So, uh, basically, if you haven't heard the show before, uh, we will watch a film and then we judge whether it goes on a shit list or a hit list. Uh, we take the film and we essentially put it on trial. Uh, this week, we're reviewing Pirates of the Caribbean 4. That's right, there's been more than one. <laughs> uh, but before we get to that, uh, there's a regular thing that we do on the show. We just recap the news. Um, so basically, each one of us has gone away and thought about the biggest pieces of news this week. Um, so guys, what have you got? Uh, well, the bit I want to bring up is that King Arthur, The Legend of the Sword, starring Charlie Hunnam, Guy Ritchie's new film, has flopped dramatically at the box office. We're talking, this is massively Huge, failed, yeah. this is bad. Yeah. This is really bad for the studio. They're, they're predicting $150 million. That's what I heard, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. it's not looking oh, good. I know. So, has anybody actually seen the trailer? Yes. No, no yeah. one's seen the film, that's more the problem, right? <laughs> Uh, has, has anyone in this room seen the trailer? Uh, yes. I've seen yes. several trailers, but when you've got David Beckham in a film, it's it's not destined for great things, is it? No, no it does. It, it smells of scraping the barrel a bit, doesn't it? I don't understand how David Beckham, a man from uh, London, can't uh, do a London uh, <laughs> sort of a London accent. That's a bit broad, that. But he, it, it's, his Cockney accent sounds absolutely terrible. It sounds like yeah. yeah. Sounds borderline Australian, <laughs> but like I, I was just surprised Guy Ritchie was doing it because I just didn't think he's the right. He was the right. I know. I know they they had a director, didn't they? And then they brought him on later. Yeah, it's been in development hell yeah, to be honest. Six or seven years. But yeah, I just don't think Guy. Ritchie, I don't know. I just don't rate him as a director. To be honest, I know like you know Lock, Stock and Snatch, but they were a long time ago now, mm. and he hasn't cracked out anything decent. So mm. to put him in charge of that, what it about looks like? Um, uh, the Sherlock Holmes film I mean because that was a, a massive box office success um, and the reviews were quite good for them it, it's a you know he, he kind of took the story and he put that sort of like lock stock and snatch mm. spin on it and it, you know he kind of uh, had these big uh, set pieces and it was very action driven and you know he put some kind of uh, modern fight scenes into it and um, you know it, it was actually quite a successful film I think he then sullied it by making Sherlock Holmes too, though didn't he so you know I think that that 
ended that. That's a fair point. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I, all I know is that there was a, a cameo in Sherlock Holmes one <laughs> from the one hell of a handsome with a Brooklyn lads, but uh, you, you had to be upside down to actually see it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, so. Uh, Alex, what is uh, your piece of news? My piece of movie news is uh, Netflix is uh, Netflix seems to be getting in film news quite a lot now. Obviously, people seem to think it's like the death of cinema. But um, they've recently just made a new feature on Netflix where you can skip the opening credits to a film. Oh, I know. I, I to be honest, it seems to be divided opinion, but I just think it's terrible. Like, so you know, the first opening bit of Forrest Gump, for example, with the feather floating around. That's just you can just skip that and just get straight into the film and just miss the opening credits completely. So you know, I know, I don't know. I just for, for me, it just seems absolutely. It does. It's just a terrific thing, you know. Yeah, seems, I don't agree with that. No, no. It seems like a, a fast food of uh, cinema okay. in a way. You know, what an hour and thirty is too long for no, a film. I mean, you watch Netflix. You've clearly got nothing. You know what I mean? You're not busy. You know, so <laughs> you know. So I don't know why that. I, I, I. It just seems. I don't know who would do it. It's not Netflix's fault because all they're doing is, I guess, putting the option out there. But if honestly, if I was watching a film with someone. And that came up, and they actually clicked skip credits, and it just went straight. I just no, I, I, maybe just it was um, a user requested feature. Yeah, yeah, possibly. Well, so, what about films like um, Star Wars? Yes. So it, it automatically starts. I, uh, they, it depends on the film. They're just sort of doing certain films. It's a bit weird, really. Though it's just a new feature. So certain films, you can just. I guess if they just think it's boring, you can just skip <laughs> the first bit and, and go into it. But it did make me think as well, something that's like really bugs me as well is when you're watching films on telly and you know at the end of the film when you've got it and the credits come on, it's absolutely killing me how they start talking over the, oh, the yeah. music at the end. You know, I was watching like Last of the Mohicans, which I think has got one of the best endings ever. You know how it builds really slowly, builds up bit by bit, the music goes, it's just an incredible ending, ends with the crescendo. And then like a minute later someone was telling me dinner date was on and like it just ruined it just co- totally ruined the whole atmosphere of the film yeah. it just oh, it just drives me absolutely crazy but they, but they have the same sort of thing in uh, with Netflix as well yeah. so as soon as the film finishes uh, as the credits are rolling um, the window maximizes uh, minimizes doesn't it and goes into the corner and um, so if you're watching any of the, the Marvel films or any film with a sort of like mid or uh, end credits um, scene yeah. then you, most of the time you miss it because the, the window is too small too small I know and you have to click on it but. so yeah, yeah divided opinion in this room as well it seems <laughs> uh, so Joel what is your big piece of news for the week um, so there's been a uh, Vanity Fair photo shoot from the new Star Wars film The Last Jedi um, so there's some kind of cast photos which haven't been seen before there's uh, Benicio Del Toro um, he's kind of portraying a villain but there's kind of a first shot of him uh, in character uh, there's a shot of Laura Dern who is Ellie from Jurassic Park oh yeah, yeah, yeah. who hasn't really been seen uh, very much so she's like um, a rebellion <laughs> I'm pretty sure she's probably I imagine that she's probably done stuff since Jurassic Park I'm, I'm pretty much sure Jurassic Park 3 you're quite right <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it wasn't sort of like 1994 and then oh I'm going to wait around until 2017 <laughs> um, so moving on <laughs> um, so that, there's some just some really good pictures there there's a photo of Luke and Leia again which obviously kind of says that they're uh, going to be uh, reunited in the film there's a few more pictures of Leia there's uh, some pictures of like Kylo and uh, Captain Phasma 
Um, and there's also some pictures of Finn and uh, Poe Dameron. So uh, kind of puts to bed the rumours that he is possibly a Jedi because it looks like he's he's like a resistance fighter in these pictures. So if you like Star Wars, then definitely uh, you know give them a look in. Yeah. Who's Captain Fanta? Phasma, she is the uh, stormtrooper with like the really shiny. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, the lady from Gwendolyn Game Christie from Game of Thrones. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 No, I, I did see a few of them. Um, Empire covered them, and uh, yeah, they were really nice. It was uh, a bit sad, obviously, to see uh, Carrie Fisher. Um, had she finished filming? Yeah, I she completed. She yeah, yeah, she completed this one. Um, they've got a problem with the the third of the new trilogy though right. she didn't film enough of that okay. but for this one they were okay yeah oh, well okay so uh, my big bit of news for the week is uh, Tom Cruise has come out and said that he's definitely going to uh, start shooting next year Top Gun 2 so what is everybody's thoughts about that Joel do you have any, uh, um, any thoughts well uh, some films especially classics I think Especially in like the modern society, they just need to, to learn to let them lie, to be honest, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and just not touch them, because you're just risking tarnishing everything about the the original films, and they do it far too often these days, especially when, as I say, it's a classic, and you know, uh, there isn't many people who don't have that on DVD or VHS or whatever. Um, and <laughs> I don't think anybody's got it on VHS anymore, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Alex, I mean, did you think it's one of these things that it was kind of, um, it, it was, it was very eighties. It was kind of, it, yeah, it was of its age, of its time, yeah. yeah. And I know it's got, it's got kind of a big following, hasn't it? I think you know, I remember like students-wise, I think it's got you know people dress up, and I don't know, it's, it seems to have a bit of that cult thing, doesn't it? Top mm. mm. Iceman, Iceman, exactly, yeah. But uh, so you know, it'll make money, and I think that's why they're doing it. You know, I think yeah. it's purely just purely just that. I don't think there's any reason to do Top Gun too. But for, for me, like, I mean, I used to absolutely love Tom Cruise, but just I found it, I've really struggled to get back to, to my, like, since he just went absolutely crazy and just started jumping on sofas and stuff like that, I've just found it really hard to not yeah. to respect him. So, I don't know, maybe, I keep, every time a Tom Cruise film comes out and I go, it's maybe this one, he'll <laughs> but it hasn't happened so far. Yeah. As, as long as they get Val Kilmer back. I'll sign off on this. <laughs> I think Val Kilmer as a fighter pilot in 2017 <laughs> might be a bit of a stretch. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have seen it. <laughs> so, uh, so what I think one of the, uh, the the main things for me from the original film was uh, was the soundtrack. I thought it was an incredible soundtrack. Yeah. And uh, uh, Dave, um, you're a big fan of music. Yeah. Uh, so what do you think the soundtrack for Top Gun in 2017 is going to be like? Nowhere near as good as the first one. I, I actually own the first Top Gun soundtrack. It, it, was, it was brilliant. Come on, let's not lie. It was yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Cheap Trick, Howl Faltermeyer. Uh, yeah, J- Johnny uh, Lee Lewis wasn't uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah it was it was great it was great but for the new one I don't know it's not going to be the same it's not going to have that vibe about no. it no no I mean all I'm looking forward to is a bunch of uh, 50 plus year old men playing uh, volleyball uh, topless on the beach <laughs> I, I I can't wait for that um I also just don't think you know the fighter plane thing I think that, that that was great in the 80s wasn't it but I don't know it just doesn't interest me it's like King Arthur again to be honest it just doesn't interest me to go and see it and going to see people flying around and playing shooting each other I don't know I just but that just doesn't there's, there's hopefully to more to the plot than that but I, don't, I, don't, I, don't. But I, I mean I mean I will personally I'm thinking that there is an age uh, limit on fighter pilots and I can't envisage Val Kilmer and um, Tom Cruise being fighter pilots now. So maybe it's about how they've progressed 
So I'd love to see Top Gun 2 as them both, like, kind of as easy jet pilots. <laughs> so uh, so uh, one thing I really do want to talk about, and I think this could be a, a regular feature, is terrible movie poster or trailer of the week. Um, because there's something I really want to talk about, and it is the new poster for Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, now, has, has everybody in this room seen it? Yeah, I have yeah. now, yeah. My word, I mean... Uh, so am I alone in thinking that it, it's one of the worst movie posters I've seen in, in, a, in a good while oh or? it's a shocker it stays in your mind that's for sure it, it's pretty horrific it's more, it just looks inept you know that's the, it just doesn't look like it's been done properly, properly. yeah, it, yeah. I, I mean to me it looks like a GCSE media studies project it, it looks it, it looks like it's just been cobbled together by somebody in a, a massive rush uh, but Joel uh, what's, what's your biggest issue with the poster um, well, we were talking kind of off there before, and I said it very much reminds me of uh, kind of like a university student's bedroom when they have like a collage just kind of <laughs> stuck together yeah. of random photos, and it, it very much kind of reminds me of that. And it's just strange because obviously the Marvel films and Spider Man has had like an absolutely insanely high budget, and then to just put that out is just, uh, you know, kind of very uh, kind of half arsed. Yeah, it, it does. It reminds me of like a blackmail letter. Um, just <laughs> crudely <laughs> cut out pictures of uh, people from other Marvel films. Because I don't understand how John Favreau could be a big part in that film to, to appear bigger on the poster than Oscar-winning actress Marissa Tomei. You know? <laughs> wow. and, and how um, it, it says featuring or with Robert Downey Jr. is the, the last name on, on the list. Uh, yeah, he's the the biggest. He takes up the most of the posters. The, the biggest head on it. It's, to me, it was, it's it's just odd. So uh, and it is upsetting that, as you said, you have this this big budget, and it seems that most of it is spent on the actual film, on the, the CGI, on um, the you know the the actors' wages, and then when it comes to the kind of post production, when it comes to the trailers and the movie posters, it's like they, they've hardly got any money left, so they go to the same places. It's almost like the money doesn't matter. I mean, that's just like I, I, I feel like Joel, you could probably whip up a. Poster like a hundred times better than that. Yeah, like more than likely. But to be fair, for me personally, it doesn't matter. I'm still going to watch the film. Are you excited about it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, okay. Uh, so, does anybody else want to cover any bits of news? No, I think. No, I think we're happy. Mm-hmm. Okay, now we're going to move on to the main feature of the podcast, which is movies on trial. Um, so, last week, the end of the week, uh, we were discussing what films were coming out recently and uh, Pirates of the Caribbean 5 has mm. uh, just opened up at the box office uh, it's so far so good it's 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 uh, it's doing quite well in the in the box office I believe uh, it's number one in the UK uh, I think it was about 140 million it's open weekend really? which I think is is quite good that does sound grossly uh, inaccurate though so uh, <laughs> check your facts <laughs> yeah uh, so I, I might have to patch in the real figure later on in a, in a, in a post recording um, so yeah I mean it's, it's, do we do we need a fifth power to the Caribbean film I mean are we going to get into this right now because if we're basing it on the fourth one yeah you can warm up <laughs> <laughs> like, if we're basing it on the fourth one though we didn't we didn't need the fourth one so no okay right well uh, okay just to remind uh, uh, listeners that um, each person has to act as a certain role in in this, and uh, we picked the names from the hat last week. And Alex is going to be the prosecution. prosecution. Uh, Dave 
is going to act as the defence for this film. Uh, Joel is going to be the judge. He's going to be the one presiding over this to decide uh, what list the film should be on. And I'm going to act as an impartial character witness, just kind of uh, coming in with bits of information here and there. Um, so just to kind of uh, give you a brief synopsis of what the film is about, I'll, uh, I'll read out what it says on IMDb. Um, Captain Jack Sparrow crosses paths with a woman from his past and he's not sure if it's love or if she's a ruthless con artist who's using him to find the fabled fountain of youth. When she forces him aboard the Queen's Anne Revenge, the ship of the formidable pirate Blackbeard, Jack finds himself on an unexpected adventure in which he doesn't know who to fear more, Blackbeard or the woman from his past. Wow, I well, enjoyed that far more. Than <laughs> <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> so, uh, Joel, would you like to kick things off, please? Yep, so we're going to do this one that's slightly different. I'm going to give uh, the prosecution and the defence both two points each, and then they can interject and, and argue um, each other's points uh, rather than just kind of uh, have like a random free for all. Uh, so, we'll start off with the prosecution, I think. Okay. Um, so hopefully, um, maybe start from the top. Yeah, well, uh, I think I'm just going to start with uh, the plot, basically. I think we'll start with just the actual storyline of it to start with. Uh, it, it isn't. It doesn't exist. I mean, it's the most chaotic mess. I've, I've, it's, like, I, to be honest, when I was watching this film, it not only, like, do I think it's one of the worst films I've seen? It kind of encapsulates everything that's terrible about films at the moment, like everything about them. And I'm, I'm, that's not exaggerating for effect. I genuinely think that. It's just a franchise film that's just, it's gone on too long, it's just been stretched so thin. Um, but yeah, just to stick, because there's so many different ways to just like demolish this film. But to stick with the plot, like, like, like Gav was saying, it like, starts with going to the Fountain of Youth, but we never see the Fountain of Youth until right at the very end. We don't know what it is. We don't really know why people want it apart from yeah, blah, 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 it's the Fountain of Youth. I, don't, you know, I, did, I, I found it really hard to follow what anyone was doing and why. There's about four or five different plots going on throughout the entire film that just sort of mingle and then they're important and then they're not important. And yeah, it was just, it was so boring. And, and oddly, for a film about pirates, joyless. Like that, it just, it felt really, really joyless the whole way through it. Um, there were some good ideas in it um, you know the, 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 it started off with like a huge big four different action sequences all at once which you know just I, I can't take personally then big long pauses but there was a bit where like um, Jack Sparrow's not to give too much away but he's on a ship and he's no one knows that he's a captain and he's gone back to basics so he's just scrubbing the decks and he's you know he's just, just like a normal pirate and I thought, oh great, the film's starting. Like this is the film. The film is going to be about him working on the deck. But he's a pirate, and he's going to, and, he, and then he's probably going to lead a mutiny or something like that. That all happened in the next four minutes. I mean, that four minutes, that all <laughs> happened. It met him, and then there was about four or five different times that happened throughout the entire film. It's just like, oh, this is the film. No, that's finished, and it's the next thing now. They're on a an island. They're on a. So yeah, just my my first thing is just absolutely no plot. Just chaotic mess Dave <laughs> <laughs> thank you uh, 
this symbolizes everything that yeah, is wrong with yeah, cinema yeah, today. Yeah, really, yeah, blockbuster <laughs> cinemas, blockbuster cinemas. I'm, I'm, yeah, I stand by that. No, yeah. this, there's no denying this is a blockbuster, but I don't think this is. There are far worse blockbusters than Pirates of the Caribbean Four out there. I don't think this went altogether that badly. I think if you look at the lack of success, well, no, they did well in the box office, but the reception of Pirates of the Caribbean Two, Pirates of the Caribbean Three, this put a few things right. It took us back to the basics, and it, it got less convoluted. I think they simplified it a lot more. I think, I think the plot is easy to follow. You know, the the film is aimed at teenagers. It's aimed at kids, even. I think it's easy enough to track, easy enough to follow. I mean, you may want to see half an hour, forty minutes of, of Johnny Depp scrubbing decks. I'd like to see him fight some mermaids. Yeah. <laughs> I think that would entertain me more. <laughs> I think yeah. the action sequences were brilliantly put together. You know, the direction, you really? can level some criticism at the direction, you can, but I think the action sequences themselves were very slickly done. Really? And with the kind of production you're only going to get in a Hollywood blockbuster such as this. See, I, to, to, to stay with the action, I found the action really dull. Like, I didn't, there's no point, that, and I watched it last night, I cannot remember any point of, of action in the film that was like, oh yeah, that bit. You know, I remember the mermaid bit was alright, but it, it didn't go anywhere again. But there was no, there was no central bit. There was no thing to sort of hang your hat in the film where you went, oh yeah, that was a, that was a great. You know, like the Matrix. You just think, oh, the, the fight in the subway, that was amazing, and you remember it. You know, Die Hard. You know, there's was so many bits in that, isn't it? You just think, yeah, that bit, that bit, that bit. This bit, it just melds into people sort of kicking each other in the leg and sword fighting. The violence is really weird as well. It's like oddly quite violent in places as well. It, and it really jangles with the sort of. Mm pantomime feel of the rest of it there's oddly weird like like swords going into people and it's just like oh you know hang on a bit you know is this a, just a fun family romp or? it is a teenager's film it is a kid's film it is a yeah. family film but yeah I think the violence was I think they got it they got the balance about right I would say you know at the end of the day these are people fighting with muskets with clubs with swords it's not going to be a walk in the park so the, the violence is there but I think tastefully done in this instance and I don't think it's going to present any problems yep so uh what do you think about that, Gavin? Uh, okay, so as the character in this, I'm going to try and be as impartial as possible. Uh, when it comes to the story and the plot, I think I'm actually going to have to uh, stand by Alex on this one. Um, I, too, have just recently watched it quite recently, and uh, I actually I, I think I agree that there aren't those really memorable action sequences. As you said, the way they're filmed, they're quite slick, and they're quite fast-paced, and you know, and they are good to kind of watch them there and then. But you know, if I was to kind of think about them in a week or two's time, I probably wouldn't remember what happened. So there wasn't a bit in it where I was like, "Wow, that bit was incredible." That was the standalone moment of that film. Um, yeah, I thought it was a bit chaotic as well, as you said. It was a bit disjointed. It did seem to be kind of just bits of random films just put into one film, almost like a the best bits of Pirates of the Caribbean yeah like, um, a, like a trailer it felt like a trailer the yeah. entire way through like I just was waiting for the announcement of like coming this summer like you know <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean 4 but it just it yeah. Was, yeah it just carried on it, it, it's a, a fun factoid for you a bit of triv uh, so the producer was Jerry Bruckheimer you mentioned about the uh, the big mermaid set piece earlier um, so there's this bit in the scene where they have to capture a mermaid's tear so they go after a bunch of mermaids and then there's a big fight scene so uh, the, the producer Jerry Bruckheimer gave strict instructions uh, to casting directors that actresses auditioning for the mermaid roles must have must have natural breasts 
goodness. So, uh, <laughs> goodness me. I don't know why. I mean, I think that is one of like maybe buoyancy. <laughs> <laughs> but that is that is <laughs> just <laughs> a safety issue. <laughs> like it's standalone, like the most misogynistic thing that you, that a producer can ask for. I don't understand how that would add anything to the the plot at all. I mean, just going for realism. <laughs> realism. Bear in mind that is it, it is a Disney film. I should say. I think it's a PG. Uh, so I don't, uh, I don't even understand why that I, would be I, an issue. I, I don't know why he's getting involved in specifying the types of breasts <laughs> at all. To be honest, I'm not sure if that's is that what his role is. <laughs> is that what he's to? made his role. <laughs> he's a producer. This is what producers do. This is all producers do. <laughs> I know it's realism. It must be hard to do a boob job under the sea. I think this is quite <laughs> So moving on, Dave, do you want to pick up your argument? Yeah. The one point I want to stress out here is. The cast mm. is brilliant. You know I was going to talk about the yeah. cast. There is some inspired casting here. Ian McShane was born to play Blackbeard. Come on, he, d- he did a good turn as Blackbeard here. I mean, the script, in the hands of a less experienced actor, would not have flowed so well. As it was, Ian McShane could bring it around. You know, we saw Orlando Bloom and Keira Knightley depart the Pirates of Caribbean franchise. They may be coming back, Pirates of Caribbean 5. We'll see what happens there. But they kept Jeffrey Rush, they kept Kevin O'Malley, and they brought in Ian McShane, Penelope Cruz, Sam Claffin. I think that's a, a fair trade in my book. You got cameos from Richard Griffiths, cameos from Roger Allen, cameos from Keith Richards, Judy Dench. Judy Dench. <laughs> that, was, that was really awkward. That was odd, that one, wasn't it? Was it was an odd, awkward, an, an odd, awkward moment. <laughs> the, like, I, I agree. Like, I'm never, I'm, I, I can't say anything bad about Ian McShane, and I, and I won't. But like. <laughs> Uh, Ian McShane did a fantastic job in that. It's super. But like you said, like, re- like regardless of the film, do you know what I mean? He did it, but it was nothing to do with Pirates of the Caribbean. Before. You know, it, 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 he wasn't given much to work with. You know what I mean? His character was basically, even though he fleshed it out, I think, in just using his crazy eyes, you know? He was just Barbosa from the first one. He was just Geoffrey Rush's character from the first one. He was just a, a naughty, nasty pirate. A naughty pirate. A naughty, yeah, just a, a naughty, naughty pirate. pirate. <laughs> but he did have, but no, but he, did, he, he was. He was just. Oh, he was really mean. He's really horrible. But he didn't have any little spin. You know, Jeffrey Rush had that spin in the first film of like he couldn't taste things and he couldn't. You know, he had that whole little bit of his backstory. There was nothing like that for him McShane or any of the bad characters. So it was, he was just wanted to get to the fountain of youth to live forever. But. I don't know, there was just no real... Well, can I just point out, he's playing Blackbeard, <laughs> generally regarded as one of the most evil men ever to have set yeah. on the planet. But I think, I think the film just takes a lot for granted that you, you're just invested in the Pirates franchise and you, that you're just, you just know who Blackbeard is. So they don't really need to... They can just do a quick bit where you shoot someone or do something horrible. And I think that's a fair assumption, though. I think yeah. even, the, even young kids going in will have heard of Blackbeard. They'll yeah. know he was a pirate. They'll know he's a bad man. I think you could, that's a fair assumption to make. But but it makes it a better film, right? If it if it you know if they go into it and they make him you know I mean a characterization you know like make him actually a bad character and you know put something a bit more to him you know it it just felt really frightened of going anywhere a bit deeper. I think they just trusted Ian McShane to take it in the right direction. <laughs> yeah, they they were right trusted to, you know, that yeah. sinister, the way he's acted. The, uh, the sinister, the, the menace, the malevolence will carry through and people will get the idea. Okay, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring away from Ian McShane because he's hurt my argument massively. <laughs> I'm going I'm to bring this round to Johnny Depp. All right, because Johnny Depp was just like beige in that film. It was so bland and it was just like, I just couldn't, every time he was on the screen, my eyes just walked, like naturally went away from him. I just, he, he, 
I don't know, he felt like a waxwork of Jack Sparrow. He just, he didn't really look right, and he just didn't look like he was putting any effort in. And, yeah, no, I just thought he was, his performance was not bad, just just nothing, really. You know, didn't add anything, didn't take anything away. And he's the main the main character, right? So. I think he's become a bit of a caricature in that yeah. respect. I think, yeah, Jack Sparrow has become somewhat bigger than even Johnny Depp anticipated. Yeah. And it's got best we got a bit away from him. But was he was he just out acted by Ian McShane? I'll leave McShane be, I'll leave McShane be. But no, I, I do see where you're coming from. I do believe that Johnny Depp, yeah, has gotten maybe a bit complacent yeah. with the role. But but it's still entertaining to watch. Yeah. It it was well no I, I, dis- I, I disagree <laughs> yeah, with that last no. bit. I disagree with that last bit. It, it just made me. I think and I, and I, and I never thought I'd say this. It needed Orlando Bloom and Keira Knightley. Oh <laughs> no, no, their characters were just there was nothing. I know we had the Sam Claflin, Claflin, um, the and creature. Mermaid. They would like had their tiny little subplot, but that that was a subplot of a subplot of a plot of another plot that was you know. So it didn't. Whereas like you needed there were no characters, no cipher characters to get behind. You know there was nothing. I don't know, Jack Sparrow's a good character, but he's not someone you can actually sort of put yourself in What about, what about Jeffrey on. Rush? Jeffrey Rush just wants his boat back. It's true, he's but... Stuck in a bottle on someone's shelf, just wants his boat back. Yeah, but... Yeah. A, lot, a lot of uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean plot seems to be about getting boats back. It's an integral part of being a pirate. You're going to struggle with that. And just to uh, pick on some criticism which you levelled at, you said it's not... He, he wasn't bad, he was just nothing, which yeah. is... Uh, you know, it's, it's like... And that, you know, a bit of a catch-22 saying, you're not bad, you're just absolutely nothing. Yeah, but do you know what I mean, though? You could, um, you could, you could just say he was just didn't really add anything. Or I think it's worse. I would have preferred his performance to be bad somehow, because then it could... I think most people would probably prefer to be bad rather than just nothing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It was just like a, oh, Johnny Depp's in this again. When's Ian McShane coming back? When's Jeffrey Rush? I hope Richard Griffiths yeah. is back in it soon. He, he wasn't. It's, it's like it's, it's like what's the opposite of, of love it is and hate it's just complete that's <laughs> all I felt yeah I know so I'm okay so trying to be impartial again um, I appreciate anything with Ian McShane in it uh, obviously love joy uh, I, I, I think Ian McShane is a fantastic performer um, but I think I'm going to have to agree with Alex again on this one Uh I think that he didn't have a lot to work with. Um, he was trying his best to be really menacing and have that malevolence coming through the character, but there, there was nothing to it. it the, the character didn't really go anywhere. There wasn't any sort of drive behind it as well. As you said, it was just like, oh, I want to go to the Fountain of Youth. Why? I don't know. Um, okay, fair enough. Let's go. Uh, so it was it was quite hard for him to work with it. Um, Jeffrey Rush in it, I thought... Was, was good I mean Jeffrey Rush is always good but he seems really tired yeah. and I don't know whether that was that was supposed to be the character it's just like oh I've been doing this for so long now I've lost my leg I'm you know working for King George uh, I, you know I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm fed up with the chase I, I think Jeffrey Rush was exhausted because I think he worked really hard in that he was trying to bring a little bit of levity yeah. to it he was trying to make it a little bit funny he was trying to bring it back to what it was in the first yeah. film so I think he was working so hard and I think that's why he looked knackered because yeah. he just you know he, he just I would say he succeeded I would say that was yeah. effort well spent yeah. <laughs> effort well spent I think like the, the biggest kind of elephant in the room was Johnny Depp's performance which as you said has just become a bit of a caricature it was almost like we were watching um, somebody 
dressing up as Johnny Depp for a Halloween party. Yeah. It was an absolute kind of caricature, definitely. Um, and once again, he seemed really tired. He seemed like he didn't actually want to be there at parts. Um, as you said as well, unnecessary cameos. I mean, it was. I think. I think it, it was nice to have these people. But Judy Dench, what did she really add to the film? Nothing really. I mean, the, the standout performer for me from the for the entire film was Penelope Cruz. I thought she did uh, really. Yeah, I thought she did a good job with what she had. Um, there was no chemistry I mean we can all agree on that between between Johnny Depp and Penelope Cruz their scenes were just so bad I mean there was no I mean well, I, I, I'd be, I wouldn't be surprised if they had filmed them in different locations well I, I think the, the reason that I think I, I, I liked the performance so much was that I, I had the knowledge that um, she was pregnant for the entire yeah. of the film so uh, her sister did it didn't she yeah so her sister did a lot of the stunts um, but so uh, can you imagine um, kind of uh, having to do that impartial <laughs> 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 game <laughs> so, so trying to be impartial no, but I, I, I do think that you know she, she did um, she, she did add something to the film that you that Dave mentioned was lacking a bit with the absence of Orlando Bloom and Kira Knightley um, but yeah all together I think I'll probably have to side with Alex yeah, I just say something about the cameos in this uh, in this film. Now you say they don't add anything to it. Yeah, a cameo is not meant to make or break a film. A film does not hinge upon its cameos. In this instance, they're a moment of light relief. It's a kids' film. It's a family film, and it's just a moment of ha. yeah. It's Judy Dench. Judy Dench. But, but Richie Griffiths plays the king, you know. But he actually sets him off on the quest. So that's an important plot point, right? I mean, that's and he's never seen again. You know, you know, it's just like the bits are taken up for a bit, and then it's like they've sort of got some serious attention deficit, and they just go on to the next bit, and it's just like, blah, 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 and then they carry on. Whereas, I don't know, it would have been good to see Richie Griffiths. Come the, back. the king's got a country to run; he can't go looking for that in youth. That's why he sends other nice. people to do it. So, talking about cameos in the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise, has everybody seen the the cameo oh, for the yeah. next one? Yeah, the, it's Pirates of the Caribbean Five, playing Uncle Jack, Paul uh, McCartney, Paul McCartney <laughs> in this. In this Pretty much his first acting role. Well, uh, apart from the Beatles films, are we counting that? Uh, well, <laughs> he's playing like a version of himself. This yeah, is a, a, like a sort of a first blockbuster, should we say, for him. Uh, so, 74, just getting into the game now. Uh, no prior acting experience apart from playing versions of himself in Beatles films. I can uh, see this working out like David Beckham, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can see people like years from now looking back and talking about what a great actor Paul McCartney was. Like, oh, did he did he make some records as well? He was, a, <laughs> he was in music for a bit. Oh, that's interesting. Oh no, I just know him as an actor these days. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you know where Rihanna and Kanye West gave him his big break? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, moving on before you all get Ian McShane t-shirts. Um, I've got them printed. They're in the car. <laughs> Dave, you're taking a little bit of a battering so far, so we're going to carry on with you. Do you want to make your next point? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't worry, Joel, I've got lots more. If Dave's not ready, I'll, I'll, I, can, I, can, I can jump in. Um, to, be, no, to be honest, like um, you know, the main other thing I wanted to say, not a lot to say about it, because it's the script, you know, and there was... There were no zingers in the film. I can't think of one memorable line in it. Loads of it was just... Uh, was it expo- expository dialogue? Huge amounts of expository dialogue. I mean, they'll just be going from one scene to another between chase sequences, and they'll literally be explaining who's chasing them, 
what's happening and what's going to happen when they finish at the chase. You know, and for a film that's so chaotic and so, like, um, just a mess of different... You know, and, and uh, you know, it's fine to suspend your disbelief. I'm not saying they go to see a pirate film to have, like, watertight plot, you know? But they talk about the plot all the time, so it really brings it back to you, you know? So I would be fine to suspend my disbelief, but this film, like, shatters your disbelief completely. And just, like, it just keeps throwing at you. This is what's happening now, this is what's happening now. And I don't know, there was no... There were no good, there were no like well written little scenes, you know what I mean? Just just one or two would have nourished me, you know, but it was, uh, there was just nothing in the script. I think you've got to remember what kind of film you're looking at here. At the end of the day, you're not going to get Tarantino West dialogue in a Pirates no. Caribbean movie. You're looking at a, a family orientated blockbuster, and that's the point you're missing. That's what you've got to look at here. In terms of all the, the blockbusters that have come and gone, this one is not bad. This actually holds up quite well. But but family films can have a good script. And this one does. This is an acceptable script. So, Gav, what do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of on the fence a bit because uh, I have to argue that, that I, I do think there are a few good lines in it. Uh, I made a, a note. Um, so, the insult of the film, um, Penelope Cruz says, Admit it, Jack, you still love me. And Jack says, if you had a sister and a dog, I'd choose the dog. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's a zinger. I, I don't even remember that happening. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, I, I, what it seemed like to me is that there were several people working on the on the same film. I don't know if that was the case. I don't movie know if, exec, it felt like yeah. a film made by movie execs. Yes, yeah, so, so or it's, no one. So it seemed like um, kind of as a, like a story. Okay, we're going to go to the Fountain of Youth. I thought it was a good story, a good idea, because you know it's it's kind of like the Indiana yeah. Jones films. Yeah. Um, it's it's a bit out there, you know. They have loose kind of historical uh, facts and events tied into like fictitious angles, and um, so I thought as a story it was good. But as you said, I think the dialogue linking it all together was a bit clunky. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of fifty-fifty on that one. I'm sorry. Okay. Has anyone got any further points to add? Uh, there might be one I can throw in now talking about the visual element of the film mm. which I mentioned before it was very sleekly put together very glossy it's what you'd expect, expect from Jerry Bruckheimer mm. big budget big special effects packs a punch we're talking all the all the sequences all the action sequences the recreation the production design the film looks good there's no denying it whether you agree with its content or not the film is well put together I would disagree with that I would deny it I, <laughs> I bet to. you would uh, no I, I, I no I, I completely disagree I, 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 I felt like it was really CGI'd so you know the, from the first bit in London when they're chasing through the streets I just didn't feel like I was in London it, 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 it doesn't you know you don't see a pan of the city there's no it doesn't feel like the film gives itself any time to just settle itself and just go right we're in London this is what London looks like and then do a chase sequence or something you're just galloping through the streets and it just feels really CGI the whole way through the bits that aren't CGI are really I don't know because because there's like some some real sets in it and then some of it's just CGI'd completely that it, I, I found it quite jarring at times so they'd be just having a scene completely on a beach and then they'd just be galloping through a, a CGI jungle so no I I I didn't think I didn't actually I was surprised that it wasn't better on that score so yeah no I, I would say the visuals didn't live up to my didn't live up to my standards and again going back to the first Pirates of the Caribbean I thought that you know because remember the town that was set in in the, in the very start when you're mm-hmm. in the Caribbean I don't know that's quite a memorable bit it's a good it was a good set and so 
There was nothing. There was nothing like that. There was no good location. They had someone to work one from. from uh, that's someone to work from for the first film, though, because that's essentially that's the town from the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. Oh, is Disneyland. It? They just basically made a set based on that. Is the film based on the ride? Yeah, inspired by it. <laughs> inspired yeah. by the ride, <laughs> not the other way around. I read that. Yeah, so it is. They they made a ride called Pirates of the Caribbean, uh-huh. and then they made the film. Pretty much. Yeah, I remember going on the ride when I was seven. The films had come out for years after that. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So that, and I think that's why maybe if the visuals were lacking, which I don't think they are. But that's why you maybe like that town because they they've had years right, to, to put that town together enough. piece yeah, by yeah, piece. Yeah. I'm not saying London hasn't been around for a while. Maybe they've <laughs> a better job in London, <laughs> but that might be why. Yeah. For me, for the visuals, I think I'll have to agree with with Dave on this one. I do think that um, the set pieces themselves they look uh, like visually stunning. Um, I mean, it's it's adds a bit of a more scaled down budget than the previous film. So uh, the third one in the franchise. I think it was $300 million given us a budget and this one had uh, a pauper's uh, budget of $200 million just $200 just 200 what million. can you do with that I know, <laughs> I know absolutely farcical um, but you know I, I, I agree uh, with some aspects that you said there Alex um, in, in that some of it did feel a bit rushed and some of it felt a bit close uh, as you said we could have had like large sweeping panoramics of London or of you know any of the islands that we visited but I think once you kind of get out of that of that London setting, I think uh, what we experience later on in the film, uh, the kind of difference, um, w- w- the f- different scenes while they're at sea, um, the Fountain of Youth itself at the end, um, the island that they visit, um, with, but the Fountain of Youth is on. Uh, you know, it is like visually stunning. The location as well, of, you know, the location director has, has done a good job of picking them out and scouting the areas. I will say as well. The mermaids are nothing to do with Jerry Bruckheimer's. <laughs> nothing to do with him choosing natural breasts at all. But I thought the the mermaids themselves were really good. I was actually because they're built up, aren't they? And I'm going against my uh, prosecution brief here, but I did like the mermaids. Like I, I, they're the best mermaids I've seen in a ever in a film ever ever, <laughs> ever. yeah or anywhere. Yeah, no, I I did really like that scene. I, um, I liked because uh, the, the way it was built up as well. Um, you know, they had to go out and collect tears of a mermaid, um, so to kind of um, get the mermaid to come. Um, what am I trying to say? Not 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 sure. The, yeah, the, yeah, the, catch them in the net. Yeah, yeah. To beach, be, beach the mermaid. <laughs> yeah, to, 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 to try and lure them up. Um, they row the boat out, and it's all at night. You know, there's only like a few candle lights that are lighting it. And they start singing a sea shanty to kind of lure the yeah. mermaid up. I thought that was really no, good. It was the one bit where it felt like someone had just slowed down and can't, and everyone had just sat down for a moment and said, "Let's do a scene, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> let's make a scene. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it well, and oh, let's have some idea." Yeah, I've been know. sitting quietly here, and just a few months ago, you guys were saying there was there was no plot to this. You couldn't remember one any scene. distinctive one scenes. One scene, don't make a film. You've just described the scene in the great one, detail. You described the, the plot point that it hinges on. Uh, and I, my argument was that there was no action uh, set piece. I mean, that is just like kind of one one plot bit. That's almost like kind of Forrest Gump running. Uh, you know, it's, it's yeah. just, it's just yeah, something yeah. that happens in the film. Um, uh, but no, I, 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 was, I was agreeing with you, with you, Dave, by saying that I think visually, I think it's, it's very good. And, and the setting and the scenery of it all and the way it's directed as well um, I think is good also I don't think like I say I don't think there's bad ideas in it I don't think the plot is 
I don't think the plot points that they've got, if you look at them individually, are bad at all. There's just so many of them that it's hard to keep track throughout the whole film, you know. So it's not bad ideas, it's too many ideas. Too many people at the, you know... I don't know, it wasn't Gore Verbinski who directed it, was it? Who? No, it was the first time uh, that he wasn't directing one of the uh, Pirates films. Um, I just feel the director was a puppet and the studio it was actually made him dance, you know. And who was it again? I've, I've forgotten who directed it. Do, you, do you remember who directed it? I don't think he wants to remember. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, Rob Marshall. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Rob Marshall, famous for uh, Memoirs of a Geisha and Chicago. Fair enough. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and this is another great string to his <laughs> So has anyone got any closing arguments or has everyone said what they need to say? Um, I would just finish by just saying it's a, it's a hot mess of the film. It's just awful. Just just really, really bad. But could have been better, you know, could have, you know, it's surprising that they've managed to make a, pirate, a film about pirates running around so completely joyless. I'd have to completely disagree with Alex and say this actually went quite well. When you look at the way uh, 2 and 3 went, you compare it to those, it's shorter, it's sleeker, those plot points are well defined. I mean, talk about being lost in a plot, you've seen the third one. Mm. Now that's getting, getting too convoluted. This one pulled it back, trimmed it down, and this is the film we got, and the cast are brilliant. They took away the weaker members of the cast and they brought in some strong elements, the visuals are great, this film worked. I'm sorry, and you, what you see is what you get. It's a blockbuster about pirates looking for fantasy elements. This is what you're going to get from it. You can't expect anything else. Okay, everyone happy? Anything else to have? Um, yeah, I'd say so. I've tried to be as impartial as I can. Um, so I've agreed with Dave on a couple of points. I've agreed with Alex on a couple of points. Um, and overall, I would probably have to agree with Alex. I do think that it felt a bit overblown and just a bit disjointed um, I, I agree with Dave and say that it wasn't the worst of the Pirates of the Caribbean films by, by, by no stretch I mean the, I think you'd be hard pressed to, to beat three for that crown um, but it, I don't think it captured the imagination as much as the first film did um, and I know that's unfair to say of a sequel because is it you know is it ever the case there's um, only a, a few sequels that really do kind of live up to the originals um, but it did feel like a best of compilation especially from Johnny Depp who was just kind of playing the old tired uh, Captain Jack card again ok so final verdict and I think I'm going to start off with the good um, which is obviously the cast so the cast did kind of grab my attention and you know I have seen I think all of the Pirates films other than um, obviously the new one which is out um, in the box office at the moment Um and the cast, pretty much for all of them, has been reasonably exciting. I think what they do well is um, they use a lot of kind of famous kind of pirate legend and uh, locations. You know, like Tortuga, we had like the Kraken, uh, we've had Davy Jones's locker, um, you know, Rum Runner's Isle, all that type of stuff. Which I think, if you know, there are many people who don't like pirates, and, and seeing all that stuff kind of brought to life is is, is reasonably cool. I think for anybody. Um, and you know as I say the first kind of two films were actually exciting and you, you did kind of get invested in the plot a little bit especially I was like a bit of a fan of the second one with the with the Kraken and David Jones's locker you know I think um, as I say like touching on pirate law um, that was like an exciting thing but I, I think the third film kind of 
you could tell that the the series was losing its way. Um, Momentum. I think I, I remember reading a quote. I can't remember the exact quote, but it said it's exactly what you'd expect um, from a franchise that's based on an attraction ride. Yeah. Um, and that's uh, that's kind of how I think uh, the fourth one, uh, by the sounds of, of listening to you guys, has gone as well. Um, I mean, the action sequences. To me, it doesn't really matter. You know, it could be the best action sequence in the world, but if you're not invested in what's happening and the outcome of it, um, like you touched on uh, the subway fight in the Matrix, you know, if kind of if uh, if Neo loses that, then it, he he dies, you know, and that's pretty much the the end of the film. So it matters, whereas you never really feel um, like that is actually the case in these films. It's just like thrown together. There's so much going on. And you don't really know, um, you know, which which way to look, you know, what's happening, um, and you don't even really care, uh, you know, kind of what happens in these sequences, um, and you know, for for all the budget in the world and all the best locations in the world, I think that is kind of um, a bit of a nail in the coffin of it, really. Um, and also, what you said, uh, kind of about uh, just you know a bunch of all different plots thrown together, it, I have to kind of agree with that, I think um, you know, as I say, the, the first the first two uh, kind of touch on, like, really famous um, you know, kind of pirate lore, and I think for this one it just kind of felt like they said okay, what what, what other famous stuff can we use, you know, Blackbeard of you. yeah, let's let's lash them in a film together and, <laughs> and hope for the best and I think that's pretty much what they did um, but to be fair, I mean, it's Pirates of the Caribbean. If you if you put that on the title, it just sells. Like regardless, yeah. it's like it's like the Resident Evil the, films. The, the, you know, the, that's what I meant when I was talking about. This is everything I hate about. You know, just franchises are starting to really do my head in. You know, we were talking before, and it sounds like there's more franchises coming out now. I thought they yeah. they need to stop franchising things. Just make just make more films like Pirates of the Caribbean one. Just don't need to don't need to do any more. Just come up with some more ideas and other characters, and you know, do a good film. Just do lots and lots of little good films. So, yeah, sorry to <laughs> jump back in again. But. No, no, it's a, it's a, it's a completely relevant point. But I think, you know, I think it could it could have been a lot better. I think after the third one, with just like the the hot mess that it was, they they really needed to bring it back. And I think the story is obviously the biggest part. It doesn't really matter if if you take away all the big action sequences I think the story at the end of the day is, is what you watch the film for um, and I think you know Pirates 4 just just didn't have the relevant story and I don't just don't think people invested in the characters and just touching on you know Johnny Depp as, as Jack Sparrow I think it was a gimmick to begin with to be fair and I think you know people can only take uh, you know so much of that I think five films later is absolutely insane for me <laughs> um, but you know it is aimed at kids I suppose well is it aimed at kids I don't even know anymore <laughs> it's pretty violent it's, you know. um, so I mean yeah it's it's hard to I think Dave you did a good job of defending it with the material that you had I think it was a hot it, this wasn't always going to be not even an uphill battle it's almost like a, a vertical line <laughs> a firing squad to be honest um so I mean, you can pro- you can probably tell I'm struggling to find pick bits out which actually you know liked about it, um, and I think they they just kind of cashed in 
um, on the fact that, as you say, it's a franchise that just sells and let's just make another film and use any old pirate, uh, which is what they did. So obviously, it's going on the shit list. <laughs> so, so Alex uh, wins this one, and we've added another film to the shit list. It's growing by the week. Um, I actually feel really bad because I feel like the general consensus in this room was the film was terrible. Apart from Dave, I think that you actually genuinely, genuinely really liked the film. <laughs> I thought it was all right. <laughs> okay. Okay. I generally thought it was okay. Ten, what would you give it? Well, that's it. Joel asked me at the start was uh, before we started recording what I would give it out of ten. I said I'll tell you at the end. I don't yeah. want to prejudice your opinion um, 4 out of 10 I wow. think Oof. I think it had a lot of potential and it just wasn't carried out it, yeah. it was sloppily executed in the end mm. a lot of potential the cast did the best with not very much to work on yeah. yeah and this is the result we had I do think it is better than 2 and 3 but it's only a step in the right direction That's, of putting the yeah. franchise back on track they're not there yet no so uh, IMDB uh, gave it what do you reckon higher or lower than a 4 out of 10 higher Higher. Higher. Uh, I'm going to say IMDb gave it 5 out of 5, maybe. Uh, I'm going to say, so, say 6. Sorry, 5 out of 10. Really? Uh, but Rotten Tomatoes wasn't uh-huh. as generous. Uh, 32%. Um, so that's that's uh, the lowest one of the franchise. Well, actually, it's uh, tying at the moment with uh, the most recent one, Dead Men Don't Tell Tales. That doesn't uh, bode well. <laughs> so that doesn't bode well for <laughs> it. Tell no t- what, is that the new one? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I thought it was Salazar's. Revenge or something like that. Uh, yeah, that, did I just make that up? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's the uh, it's is it the same title? It's yeah, it's, it's definitely Dead Men Tell No Tales. Yeah, I think it's that's another tagline. Maybe that's the US. Yeah, US yeah. and oh yeah, it's it's the it's the US one and the and the uh, and the and the British one. Um, so uh, so we've got added another film to the shit list there and the only thing left to do now is to figure out what we're going to review next week so what we've done is we've uh, all written a film we've put them in a hat and I'm going to pick one at random uh, so I'm going to go with the top one here and it is oops it is um, The Hangover oh. ah, so we're going to uh, step or dip our toes into comedy next week um, so we're going to pick the roles uh, for, for next week as well I'm going to do them at random uh, so acting as the judge it's going to be me um, acting as the uh, prosecution it's going to be Joel uh, defence it's going to be oh Alex mm. good luck uh, no. <laughs> I, I don't think you really like that film do you? Uh, I know I love it it's a great film Right. Wait to defend it. <laughs> uh, so, so that means we've only got one role left, which is uh, the character witness, uh, which is going to be yourself, Dave. Um, so we've all got our roles. All we've got to go and do now is watch the film. So I just want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, just a reminder that once again, you can follow us on Twitter at movies underscore trial. And thank you very much. And we will see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>